0: We live in a time in our lives where I think we find the world around us is full of confusion. And what we need desperately is this sense of clarity. But what we constantly find ourselves is that clarity is only going to be found on the far side of the complexities. Uh, There's a phrase that I heard years ago that said, if uh, you stay on the near side of complexity, they'll call you a simpleton. But if you travel through complexity to find clarity on the far side of complexity, they will call you a genius. I believe Jesus was a genius. He came to clarify not only his identity so that you wouldn't be trying to guess who he was... But he came to clarify his identity in such a way that it would enable you to see clearly who God really is. The enigma in the world at that time was nobody really knew what God was like. Everybody was guessing, wondering, trying to figure it out. It's not too, too different than where we find ourselves today. People are trying to guess who God is, what he's all about. Is he love? Is he this? Is he that? Is, it, is he fully tolerant? Is he narrow-minded? Is he Republican? Is he Democrat? Is, is he an it or is he a being? Is it male? Is it female? Everybody's trying to find out who God is. And many people are coming up with their own definitions as to who God is, which is really why it's so important that we not try and reduce our theology down to a bumper sticker, come on, but rather, we allow Jesus to be revealed to us through his word so that we can find some clarity that helps us live from a place of conviction instead of confusion. We, we do like to shorten things, though, don't we? We like to abbreviate things. We like our little acronyms. In fact, uh, as texting and uh, online discourse has ga- gained uh, more and more popularity, uh, there are over 1,500 texting acronyms, LOL, SMH, there are over 1,500. In fact, there is a, a lexicon now online that helps you decode all 1,500. In fact, there's 1,513 acronyms to be exact in this database. So if you're wondering what your teenager uh, is really saying when they type in three and four different letters, R-O-F-L, you can look it up and find out what, that he's not talking about a person named Rofl. They actually mean that they're just rolling on the floor laughing. Sometimes things in our world have to be decoded because otherwise we're left just being confused. Our goal in this series is to help the person of Jesus come in clear focus for you. So that we could look at seven statements that Jesus made specifically about his own identity that help us understand who he is, why he came, and who God our father really was. Cause Jesus said it again and again. If you've seen me, you've seen God the father. If, if you see me do something, it's only because God my father told me to do it this way. And so we, we're, we're introduced to this concept of having a relationship with God, our Father, more than God, just some being or deity, some distant power. Jesus introduces us to God, our Father, where we can have a personal Intimate, intentional, anytime available, 24-7, 365, availability to talk with God ourselves. And Jesus came to show us how that looks and how we can move forward ourselves with such a relationship. Jesus came so that you don't have to guess who God is anymore. He came to clarify some things. In fact, one of the statements that we're going to look at today is found in John chapter 14. So if you have a copy of scripture, whether it's in print or uh, of the digital version, would you join me in John chapter 10, or excuse me, John chapter 14. John chapter 10 will be in a couple weeks. John 14 is where we're going going today. And uh, if you have a digital phone or a mobile phone with you or a tablet, I invite you to join me at faithchurchks.org. You can click on the sermon notes Card and you can follow right along with all of these things. Take your own notes, email them to yourself a little bit later, uh, and uh, read read through them again. John fourteen verse one. Are you there? We're yes. gonna read seven verses this morning. John fourteen, starting at this front, verse one, says this. Jesus Jesus talking. He says, "Hey, don't let your heart be troubled." I know there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say some things. There's going to be a lot of misinformation, a lot of fake news about who I am. There's going to be a lot of people who claim to know what's right and what's wrong. There's going to be a lot of people who are going to tell you if it feels good, do it. Hey, I don't let your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me, Jesus says. There's a power that comes from believing in in Jesus. You believe in God, believe also in me, he said. In my father's house, there's many rooms. And if it were not so, I I would tell you so, because I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to drop shade. I'm not going to try and deceive you. If it were true, I would tell you. And I'm telling you it's true, so therefore know that it is true. This is a little bit of the, the Matthew paraphrase this morning. You okay if I amplify a few things so that we can all track together? Is that all right? Some of you are like, those words are not in my Bible. What version is this guy reading from? I'm here to help you guide along as we go. Verse 3, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back. Come on, Jesus. I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going, Jesus says. And then Thomas, who wasn't afraid to ask questions because he had these doubts and these things that he wanted answered and he wanted other people to know. He says, "Uh, Lord, I don't really know where you're going. I mean, we don't really know. Where you're going. I'm asking for a friend, Lord. Uh, they don't know where you are going. How can we know this? He said. Jesus answered and said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Today, I want to preach a message uh, under the acronym of this, WTF. All of you under the age of 40, you'll be like, I can't believe he just said that in church. Does he know what those mean? Yes, I know what they mean. Way, truth, and freedom. I don't know what you were thinking they meant. Way, truth, freedom. Way, truth, and freedom. Jesus wasn't trying to be snarky when he says, hey, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Deal with it, bucko. Jesus wasn't trying to retort their doubts by saying your doubts have no validity here. Your questions are not welcome. Just trust that he's the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus wasn't being dogmatic. Jesus was actually trying to unfold a multiple viewpoint to help people understand the goal is not to find the way, the truth and the life or the way, the truth and freedom. But the goal was to find the way, truth and freedom that leads you to a place where you have a relationship with God, our father. He wasn't trying to necessarily teach specific theology, although there are some truths and some theological understandings that we pull from this text that God wants us to get a hold of. Jesus was not trying to create some code or to create some Christian t-shirt for you to wear around or for some short little Christian phrase to throw in whenever somebody is expressing doubts, exploring truth, or has a point of view that is different from yours. He wasn't giving you the answer to end all discussions and arguments online by saying, well, Jesus the way, the truth, and life, so deal with it. It's not what Jesus was doing. Actually, I believe Jesus was inviting us into a process. I believe Jesus was walking us into a process to say, listen, God wants you to live a life fully alive and awakened by the love of God. It was Saint Arrhenius who said, the glory of God is seen through mankind being fully alive. I believe that the Lord wants us to live in such a way that we don't make Christianity look bad where we don't give Christianity a bad name, where we're not the the religion or grouping of people or community that that just is so judgmental, such uh, argumentative. Uh, I don't believe that's what Jesus came to create. I believe Jesus came to create a community of faith, to create a movement of people who were awakened to the love of God, who understood that they could have a personal friendship with God Almighty and that he wants us to live in a way that represents Jesus to discover truth that awakens our heart fully and to find freedom because Jesus sets us free. That's what I believe Jesus was trying to communicate in this verse. He wasn't just trying to give us an argumentative statement that we could throw around to tell people, we don't agree with you, we don't like you, you just got a deal. Jesus was inviting us to become fully alive and awakened by the glory of who God is. I think we can easily find ourselves, if we're not careful, even as people of God, even as people who are known as the people of the way, even as people who are christ followers, even as people who want to find truth in scripture and allow it to align our lives because we've been awakened by the love of God in our lives. I think that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves settling for some things that are true ish. And if we settle for something that is true ish, it's still not fully true. And you could be going down the path of true truth only to to discover that you feel something different about that truth. And you start going with your feelings and now your feelings lead you off just a little bit. It's really close to truth, but it's just a little true-ish. And if you keep traveling down that path of true-ish, even though the path of truth keeps going, the longer you go down that path, you find yourself further and further away from the relationship that God intended for you to have. The Bible says that we're not to be led by our feelings, but rather we're supposed to be moved and lived by faith, a place of belief, an understanding of truth, deep convictions that allow us to have a true centering point, a plumb line. The Bible, uh, when you read in Scripture, you'll discover that God's word is this plumb line. It is this dividing line. It is this thing that holds truth accountable, holds life accountable. It's the thing that you've got to anchor your thoughts to. Otherwise, your feelings will make you drift away. Here's here's why I say that it's a little bit true-ish. Here's why. Because your feelings are telling you the truth. They're telling you the truth about what you believe. The problem is what you believe might not be true. Your feelings are always being honest with you. That's why you can't discount them. That's why you shouldn't squelch them. That's why you should actually pay attention to some things. Your feelings are telling you the truth. They're telling you the truth about what you believe about that moment, about that thing, about that interaction, about that law, about your neighbor. They're telling you the truth about something. Some of you have feelings that are going off right now. You had feelings as we were watching that video. Like, I don't like this. This isn't funny. How dare they make fun of this stuff? This is the house of God. I can't believe we would even laugh at church. That's just, I can't. And you might have certain feelings that are created in you. Friends, they're telling you the truth about something. But maybe, just maybe, we need to take a step back and examine what, what it is that it's telling you. It's telling you that you believe something, but what if what you believe is a little bit wrong? And Jesus came to help us do away with this idea of if it feels good, do it. If you want to do it, do it. If you feel like it, do it. If you don't feel like it, don't do it. You are the highest part of... And besides, if you always are giving in to how you feel, you'll be fully alive. But that's not really true. And Jesus was coming to help us navigate, to find some ways, some patterns, and some paths to help us go forward. He is the way. He is truth. And he wants you to find freedom through him. I think Jesus was really saying, hey, listen, along the way, as you follow me, you're going to discover some truths. And those truths are going to help you live in a way where you know you have been set free. That's really what I think Jesus was saying. God wants you and God wants me to experience full life. Not partial life, not a substitute life. He wants you to experience full life, life to the full, not bound by your past not struggling and stuck because of addiction or habits, not in a place where you feel like you're always offended and upset at everything and everyone, not in a place where you're always feeling a sense of brokenness and pain. No, he wants you to find life that brings healing, that brings hope, that sets you free, that makes you want to wake up, that gives you a little spring in your step, that makes you want to clap your hands, that makes you want to lift your hands, makes you want to lift a voice of praise, even if you can't sing on key. There's something that God does in your life when he starts to set you free, Because you started walking in a way after him. And that way led you to discover some new truth that changed what you believed. So it made your feelings get in line actually with who truth is, Jesus Christ. And because of that truth, you got set free. God wants you to live a life set free. And so let's unpack this a little bit as we get going. And if you're taking notes, I want you to take some things down this morning. And I want, want to help us to, to see what Jesus was saying as he was revealing his identity to help us grab a hold of who God is and what God is wanting for our lives, how we can discover God's best in our lives. And, and the first thought is this, that he wasn't just saying it's the way. He's saying, it. I am the way that you walk in. I'm the way that you walk in. There is only one way to God. And that is belief in Jesus Christ. I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's this uh, kind of conversation that's happening uh, all through, especially in the academic world, where, where they're talking about exclusivity and inclusiveness, whether or not we should be tolerant, whether or not we should be open minded uh, and this idea of how Christianity is so exclusive because it excludes all these other people in the world, and nothing perhaps is 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 more. Uh, clear to us, we're going to understand how polarizing the subject is, how so many people believe that there are many ways to God, that there are many ways to heaven, that this this is polytheism, to use a big theological word for some of you who like those kinds of things. Uh, use it in Scrabble, you might get some points, I don't know. Uh, but polytheism, where there are many views of God, many paths to God, and nothing uh, kind of helps see, us uh, see this in culture more than the cultural phenomenon known as Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights, I in no way uh, am supporting or recommending such viewership. However... There is a scene in there where Riggy Bobby is a NASCAR race car driver and he has this huge crash. His car catches fire. He hops out of his car and he starts screaming, Sweet baby Jesus, help me. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Allah. Help me, Buddha. Help me, Tom Cruise. Help me, Scientology. Help me, Oprah Winfrey. And he's just hedging his bets with any and every deity that he thinks might exist. Anybody who might have power to help him. He's just trying to find some help in the moment because his pants be on fire. And I think a lot of people live that way where we have this multiplicity view where where what is true for you might not be true for me. What is your way might not be my way. Friends, can I can I help us with something? Jesus is the way to God Almighty. Believing in Jesus and what he did is the only way to get to heaven and to find eternity in heaven. That's the only way. It's the only way. It's the only way, but it is the way that is available to whoever would want to believe in it. So it is incredibly wide open to anybody who wants to believe can believe, but only those who do believe will get there. There's a metaphor that people like to talk about saying how, well, I think we're all on the same mountain of life. And I might be climbing up on the north side and you might be climbing up on the southeast side and we're all climbing our own paths and we're all climbing our own paths and we'll eventually all get to the top of the same mountain and we'll all arrive to God all at the same time. And and I think that we have to be careful not to get so arrogant and lose our humility that we don't recognize that that's a little bit true. See, because your journey and my journey might not look the same. The way that you walked and the way that you've discovered and the, what, the, the way of your life circumstances that got you here in this room might be different from the person who's sitting across the room from you. So while there are many different ways and circumstances that get us to this place, the reality is whenever we get to the top of the mountain, if you don't recognize that Jesus is God's son, you still came to the wrong peak. You made it to the wrong conclusion because one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. For some of us, it's going to be like, come on, that's awesome. And other people it's going to be like, oh, no, there will be a moment of aha realization for everyone You might, There might be different paths that are getting you to the top of this mountain. That might be true. However, the conclusion and the view are exactly the same. Jesus is Lord. It's kind of like a common core math problem. Hold on. I'm about to redeem common core for all of you haters. I have no personal opinion. I just find it funny to stoke the fire every once in a while. There are many ways to solve certain math problems but there still is only one right answer. Come on, that'll preach. <laughs> here's, the, here's the reality that you've got to understand is that while there are many ways to solve a math equation and there's still only one right answer, it's a timed test. And one day time will expire. And if you haven't come to the right conclusion of that problem, it's still a right or a wrong answer. Oh, that was really good. Y'all, y'all, y'all chewing on it, I can tell. Listen, the way we walk in, what Jesus was saying, hey, here's the way you've got to walk in. It is a way of surrender and belief. The way we walk is a humble surrender to the will of God in your life. If you want to walk in the way of Jesus, if you're going to really embody and get it tattooed on, the, on your heart to say, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the way. Then you better be the person that's also already surrendered, walking humbly after the will of God in your own life. See, you can't claim that Jesus is the way and that you're following the way if you're arrogantly still making your own decisions. It's getting quiet in this Baptist house. You you, 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 you can't say that you're walking in the way of the Lord if you're not walking with a surrender that has humbled your heart to recognize Jesus is the way that we walk in. It is a humble surrender to the will of God. What is the way that Jesus was talking about? He was talking about walking in the way of God's will. We've got to lean in to discover what God's will is for our lives and surrender our self-sufficiency for his call. We have to begin to surrender our self-identity to follow after him. Jesus is showing us the way that we are to walk in. What is that way that we're supposed to walk? It's a surrender of humility to follow after the will of God. Friends, are you following after God's will? Or are you following after your will? Jesus is inviting you today to start walking in his way. Why? Because as you walk in his way, you will discover a truth that we need to embrace. That's my second thought today. It it is a truth that we need to embrace. Jesus is a truth that we need to embrace. I thought it was funny. As soon as Jesus tells them of this truth, hey, listen, I'm the way the truth. I'm showing you the way to God. You want to get to God? You want to get to heaven? You want to have a relationship with your heavenly Father? I'm showing you the way. And Thomas was like, nah, I'm not sure I get it. And it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I, I need more. Help me, help me get this. I'm still wrestling and trying to grab a hold of this thought. Jesus, can can you help me out here? Help me out. And Jesus says, all right, here's the deal, Thomas, for you and and your friends, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Because not only am I truth, not only am I showing you truth that you need to embrace, here's what I'm going to do. And Jesus gives the solution. Excuse me. In John 14, starting in verse 15, Jesus says this. He says, hey, Thomas, listen, if you love me, keep my commandments. And then I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. That word could be said, another helper. I'm going to give you another helper to help you and be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. And this conversation continues In 14 and all through 15, Jesus is talking about this advocate. And then you pick up the story uh, or pick up the conversation that Jesus is having in in John 16, starting in verse 7. And he's still talking about the advocate and the helper and how they need truth and the spirit of truth that's going to show up. And he says, but very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going to go away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the helper will not come to you. But if I go. I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because people don't believe in him or in me. About righteousness because I'm going to be with the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus was telling him, listen, I know you're having a hard time grabbing and embracing this truth. But here's what I need you to understand. As you embrace this truth, there is a spirit of truth that's going to show up. Now, you got to understand this. Let me give you a little biblical context here. The enemy of your soul, Satan himself, is known as the father of lies. God is known throughout Scripture as the father of truth. Everything God created, Satan wants to steal, mimic, and distort. And so if there is a spirit of truth that exists in the world that Jesus has sent us as his believers so that we can embrace this truth, then you better bet your bottom dollar that there's a spirit of deception that's also trying to roam around too. Trying to convince you that your feelings are more important than the truth of God's word. How you feel about that truth is more important than whether or not you actually obey that truth. And trying to convince you that unless you fully understand, have fully been made right, and fully are perfect, you shouldn't follow that truth anyways. Because it's a true-ish spirit. And Jesus was saying, when the Holy Spirit shows up, I'm going to give him to you. He's going to come and reside in you. He's going to help you discover some things. He's going to come and convince you about sin. You would read that and most people would think, he's going to convince you about sin, that you're a bad, bad person. You're evil. You've done wrong. You're not worthy. You're not good. That's, the, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to He's going to come and convict you, and he's going to get you, make you feel terrible about what happened Saturday night. He's just going to, about that fight that you had, he's going to make you feel terrible. But that's what the Holy Spirit, he's going to come convict you, make you feel guilty all the time. That would be a spirit of deception. What Jesus is really saying, he's going to come and tell you the truth about sin. That sin does indeed separate you from a loving relationship with God, but there is a price that can be paid to have have a relationship with God, and I'm paying that price. The truth about your sin is this. Sin does hinder our relationship with God, but Jesus paid the price to remove that hindrance. So the truth that the Holy Spirit's trying to get you to understand is it's not your sin that's going to keep you from God. It's your unwillingness to admit your sin that's going to keep you from God. And if you're willing to admit it, God's already made you acquitted for it, so you may as well walk in the truth who Jesus said you are. And then he says, I'm going I'm to have the Holy Spirit come, and he's going to convince you. He's going to prove to you the truth about righteousness because he's the Spirit of truth. What is righteousness? Righteousness makes you worthy or unworthy. Righteousness is is the thing that makes you right standing, to help you know that you can stand rightly, be on the right side of life. And if you're looking, the spirit of deception would say, unless your behavior works, you're not righteous. You're not on the right side. Your behavior will determine whether you're right or you're wrong. That's not true. What Jesus is saying is the Holy Spirit wants to show up and let you know your righteousness is covered because Jesus' righteousness has showed up in your life. It's the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus that we walk in because we put our faith in Him. And He wants to convince us the truth about judgment. And this is one that everybody sits there and looks at, and it's easy to sit back and say, Oh man, one day we're going to get judged by God. He's going to look at all of the thoughts that I thought and all of the things that I did. And, and there's going to be a jumbo screen in heaven of all of my decisions. And they're all going to replay for the world to see. And then I'm going to, I don't know, I might barely make it into heaven. I might be on the outskirts living in the boondocks of heaven. But I'd rather be in the boondocks of heaven than in a mansion in right than sitting in a mansion in hell. I'd rather be because I've got to live right now. Jesus is saying, hey, listen, you got to recognize that I'm going to come and I'm going to prove the world to understand what judgment is. Judgment is the Satan of this world. The enemy of your soul is coming, and he will one day be judged forever. He's not going to judge you. He's already passed judgment on Jesus, so he's going to give judgment over and judge the enemy of your life. Listen, the truth that we have to embrace is this. The truth that we embrace is not a denial of our sin, but is the reality of the cross. What's the truth you need to embrace? That Jesus is enough. And to put your faith in him is all you need. That's where it starts. That's the truth that we have to embrace. But that's not all. When we embrace this truth, then there's a freedom that begins to be developed that helps us live it out. There's a freedom that we begin to live out. John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth. What truth? The truth that Jesus died on the cross for you, that he paid the price. You don't have to pay the price that you can be accepted and love and called a child of God. That's the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. I realized that Jesus said in the text that I'm the way, the truth and the life. But I wanted to change this up because what Jesus was really saying is I'm the way, the truth to the place of abundant life, of completely freed life to not setbacks, not held back, not trying to earn your way with God, but a life set free by the cross of Jesus Christ. So Jesus came and says, I want to show you the way it's a way of submitted, uh, surrendered humility that walks after the will of God that leads you to this truth that you begin to embrace that what Jesus did is enough and it translates into this freedom that helps you to live out as a son and not a slave to have a relationship and not be bound by religion to help you understand that your behavior doesn't qualify you your belief does your belief does go all the way back to the very, very beginning there were two trees in the Garden of Eden there was the Tree of Life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we sit there and often we think that well we just need to eat from the tree that's the good fruit not the evil fruit but there's a difference between the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the tree of life see at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil we're we're left to think about our activity whether it's good works or evil works And at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you, you sit there thinking, I've got to do more to get to God. I've got to keep trying to get God's approval. I've got to obey because it's my duty to obey God. I have to obey God. That's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But the tree of life, oh, it's different. The tree of life is what really helps you get set free from your yesterday so that you can live out God's purpose tomorrow. See, the tree of life comes and says, no, no, you need to receive the fact that Jesus has already done it. You can't do any for it. You need to receive the fact that he already loves you. You can't do anything to add to God's love in your life or remove God's love out of your life. And when you understand that, you begin to obey from a place of delight, not demand. Friends, you might be eating from the wrong tree today. You might be trying to earn your way to God, try to, to live the Christian life in just so right way, because man, it's the way, the truth and life. And we've got to do this. And friends, it's time to start eating from the tree of life, the tree of life that says, God paid the price. You can believe in God, begin to walk in the ways of God, embrace this truth that Jesus is enough. And recognize that the freedom that you live out is understanding that we live freely because of God's love for us. Romans 5 verse 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinning, Christ died for us. When you are at your worst... God was always already making it possible for you to live out your best. While you were doing the most disappointing thing that you could ever do, he was saying, I'm making it possible for you to live out your full redemptive potential. I'm paving a way to show you how to walk humbly after God's will. I'm showing you the truth that you can embrace, that God loves you enough and he paid the price for you. And I'm helping you discover a freedom to live out where you're not bound by your own good works or bad works. But you are constrained and consumed by the love of God that He's poured out into who you are by the Holy Spirit at work in you. Friends, here's the, here's the way, the truth and the life. Here's really how it all comes together is we understand that yours is a life of a story uh, uh, that's been captive, that's now been set free. You were a captive, but now you've been set free by the cross. You were a slave, but now you're a son. Friends, that's your story and your story is worth sharing. It's worth inviting people to say, hey, come, come, let's, let's walk this way. And as we walk this way, we're going to discover some truths that we're going to eventually embrace or walk away from. And as we discover this truth, it's going to start setting you free. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. It's going to change your life. That's why Jesus said you need to love your neighbor, not convict, condemn, point a finger at your neighbor. You need to love your neighbor. Why? Because that love will open them up to begin walking in a way where they begin to understand that it's not their behavior. But their belief that makes them right. That it's their faith in Jesus that allows them to receive all that God has for them. And when they begin to get set free little by little, bit by bit, thing by thing, habit by habit, past circumstance by past circumstance, they begin to live from a place that says, God, I will give everything for you. I surrender all. I want to lift my hands and I want to sing. And you begin to discover the truth. Friends, your story is a story we're sharing. That's why we're giving you invite cards, because there's people that you know that are eating from the wrong tree. There's people you know that haven't discovered the way that they should walk in, a truth they need to embrace, and they haven't been living freely. Some of you need to share your story through water baptism. Easter Sunday, we're doing water baptism. We're doing it at the 9.30 and at the eleven. Share your story. Go public. Let the world know I was a captive, but now I've been set free. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead in my sin, and Jesus loved me anyways. And his love has set me free. Friends, this is not a secret that we should keep, but it's time for us to stand. Not dogmatically telling people the way, the truth, and life, but... but passionately living out a way that we walk called surrender to God's will, a truth that we all embrace and understand that Jesus is setting us free and this freedom that we live out because of God's love in our lives. It's good news. It's great stuff. And we've got to rally around and let other people know that's the process too. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. Would you just quietly whisper a prayer to the Lord today? Would you just say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? Would you just whisper right there in faith, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me today? What are you saying to us, Holy Spirit? We wanna hear, we wanna know. Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us so that we can know the Father better. May we walk in that relationship, not demand it from others, but model it ourselves. Lord, we thank you for it. With every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I've never made a commitment to surrender and follow after Jesus. I've been living in my own ways, living after my own ways, but today I want to surrender, maybe for the very first time, and I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to make the exchange. I want to receive God's love for my sin. And I know I'm in that place. I was the sinner, and today I want to be set free because of the cross, and I want to put my faith... In Jesus. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air real quick so we know who we're praying for today? Say, I want to surrender and I want to begin following Jesus. Thank you. I see that hand up there. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Church family, can we all begin to pray this prayer together? Would you repeat after me? Father God, I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending him to me. He died on a cross for my sin. He set me free. Jesus, help me to follow you, to walk the path of surrender and hearing your will and obeying it. Thank you, Jesus, for being truth that sets me free. Thank you that I'm set free, that I'm changed, that I'm transformed by your love. I'm grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, let's rejoice. Let's thank the Lord.